0: Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. The title of Dr. Fenton's sermon today is The Transforming Power of Giving Thanks. The big idea is while giving thanks glorifies God, it also transforms our relationships. Good morning. It is indeed an honor to be with you on this historic Sunday. Your church is well known for its Ministry in the community for the vibrant congregation you have. You've had so been so blessed by outstanding pastors and uh, and the best is still yet to be. It's exciting to be here on this Sunday and to be a part of it, and I'm very excited for you. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 107, we'll be reading verses 1 through 7, and then verse 43, and then First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17. Sometimes when we, uh, when ministers preach a sermon, they use a microscope with the Bible, meaning they select a short passage of scripture and they dig deep into it, finding all of the nuances and the meanings of that verse. There are other times you use a telescope. You use a representative passage of scripture and you look at it from a distance, seeking to see the themes that come out from the scripture, seeing it as a whole. Today, we'll be looking through a telescope, looking at one of the central themes of the Bible. The scripture says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to their Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Then the Apostle Paul writes, rejoice always, pray continually give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus may God enrich his word as we dwell upon it today i'm going to tell you the secret of life okay now if if you know this secret it can save you quite a bit of money it can save you distractions trying to trace, chase some of the other things that claim to be the secret of life. The secret of life is, there is no secret. There isn't. The truths that we need to know, we know. For example, what is the secret to good health? Well, every elementary school student learns that very early. They're told, you know, they need to eat well, they need to rest, they need to get exercise. That's the key to good physical health. What's the key to good relationships? The key to good relationships is to treat one another with kindness or to uh, love one another or do unto others as you would have them do unto you That's been around, Jesus taught it, but it was even around before Jesus. For religions prior to that had something similar in their statement. When you look at the key to abundant living as a Christian, sometimes Christians think there's a secret there and we go to the latest seminar or try to find the new book that is able to explain something from some obscure verse in the Bible that no one's ever seen before, and we try to learn and gain from it. But when you look upon what the scripture tells us, it tells us to give thanks in all things. That's not a secret. It's very common throughout the Bible. 36 times in the book of Psalms, we read specific instruction, give thanks. You turn to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, who wrote approximately 25-28% of the New Testament, what does he do? 46 times he gives instruction or teaching about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Every year during this season, someone usually writes an article, and I've already seen two of them on the internet, the secret of gratitude. Well, it's not a secret. We are instructed, we are directed to be grateful people. But why is that? Why why are we to be grateful? When you look at the teaching of Jesus when he was asked, What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. When you break that down, he's describing the three dimensions or the three relationships inside of the Christian faith. The relationship with God. The relationship with others, the relationship with ourselves and gratitude for, with and about God impacts all three of those dimensions. When you recognize that gratitude has the power and the capacity not to create a relationship but to transform our relationship with God. You've all heard, and it's cliche, but it's true. You cannot do anything that would make God love you more. You cannot do anything that would make God love you less. That's true. But you and I can do things which keep us from experiencing God's love, from feeling that we are loved, from being aware of what God's doing in our life. And that's where gratitude comes in. For gratitude to God for what he has given us can help us to know that we are loved by God and can empower that living, dynamic, vibrant relationship we have with the true and living God. I saw that illustrated uh, a number of years ago when I was Fairly new in the ministry, I attended an interdenominational prayer retreat. There were probably 15 or 20 people there. The first morning we met, and most of us didn't know each other. We were all ministers. We, didn't, we knew who each other was, but really didn't know anything about one another. And we were told to take five minutes each and during the first two hours, tell what was the most difficult challenge we were facing. They said, you can share from your church, you can share from your personal life, you can share from your fears. Those two hours were exhausting. One minister shared that his wife age 47 had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He was struggling, what do I do? He wasn't sure that he could continue in ministry as he had teenage children and he would be in some ways a primary caregiver. There was another pastor who served in an inner city area Every night, there was violence near his church. A Couple of his members had been wounded and one who had been killed. And as we heard those stories and we shared from our own life, and and I mentioned that I was dealing with a physical illness in my life at that time. And as we were walking through that time, it was so depressing. At the end of a couple hours when we'd each shared five minutes, we had about a 30-minute coffee break, and then we came back, and then the leader said to us, he said, I want us to close that chapter now, the most difficult challenges that you are facing. Instead, I want you to list where you see God at work in your life, where you know that the hand of God is leading and directing in your life. And he said, it may take you a little bit to figure out, but he says, take a moment and and then share with the group. And we began listening to what God was doing in the lives of those ministers. The ministers, whose wife had Alzheimer's, mentioned that he had had a call from a lady in his church, an older lady who was a nurse. She had just retired, she was a widow lady and she wanted to come and talk to him about her moving in and taking care of his wife. The man who was there in the inner city described a recent service when they had had two members of a violent gang come to faith. And the service in which he described a different tradition than ours in worship, where he had seen transformation, he says, there's no one else that could do this but God. And as we walked through that, when we finished it, the leader of the seminar said, don't you feel empowered now? He said, allow me to encourage you. When you begin your prayer time, do not do it the way we did today, but begin by being aware of where God is at work in your life. Looking over what God has done and saying, God did that. That's what Psalm 107. That Psalm is saying, look at your past, nation of Israel. See what God has done. When you felt abandoned, when you felt weary, when you felt you were a people without a city or a land, God led in your life. Because gratitude makes us aware that God loves us. It is when we praise God and say thank you that we gain the optimism and not just the optimism but the hope and the awareness that God's still moving among us. That's one reason why corporate worship is so important. Because during the week, if you're like most of us, rarely do we Thank God for what He's done, but we come to hear, we come together on Sunday. We sing hymns that announce what God has done. We hear from the gathered community of faith, and in that process, we we come again to the conclusion of a truth that we have known that is not a secret. God is still at work in our life. Gratitude has the power to transform our relationship with God. Gratitude has the power to transform our relationship with others. For many of us, one of the most difficult things is not uh, believing in God, but it's the relationships that we go through. How do you really love folks? How do you? There are some people that just sort of seem unlovable and I'm sure we do to some other people. But it is in that process of recognizing that God is in charge of our life and that he has brought people into our life that then we can express gratitude to him and it changes the way we feel about one another. A number of years ago, one, the week before Thanksgiving, I always wrote, still do in many ways, Write number of thank you notes for people that had done good things for me or the church during the year, and you know, on Monday prior to Thanksgiving, I would take them and mail them. One year, as I was doing that, I really felt it needs to be a longer process. So as I started to thank God for the people that He had placed in my life, I also began to think about the individual contributions that they had made to me, not just doing nice things to me. There was one gentleman, he's been very transformative in my life. God used him to encourage me at a time when I was so discouraged. I'd lost confidence in many ways, and he entered my life and I realized God placed him there. That was an accident that we met. God directed his life and mine. My last conversation with him had not been a real good con- conversation because we had disagreed about something. And we both had a different opinion and it was... We were still friends, but it was a little bit awkward. And uh, you've had those relationships. And uh, as I was working on at my desk, I thought, I need to call him. So I called him up. And uh, I think he thought I was going calling him to continue the argument. <laughs> but instead, I said, today during my prayer time, I thanked God for placing you in my life the relationship was immediately better part of that same week there was a man who uh, he was sort of my thorn in the flesh in a very early church he was kind enough to let me know of everything I did that was wrong <laughs> I was young he was not. He uh, in my fact my last Sunday there he said to me well Gary I hope you learned something this time (laughs) and as I began thinking about him I realized you know there's two or three of the areas he was right and I had been so defensive That yes, I'd rejected some of his criticism, but I'd rejected it all. And there were things that I were doing now that I could look back and see were the direct result of what he had said to me. I knew I would be seeing him in a few weeks. We were going back to that church for an annual reunion. When we went back, I went up to him and I said... uh, I'm very grateful that you spoke truth to me, not all of the time, but some of the time, and has transformed my ministry. He looked at me and he said, we've needed to have this conversation. I didn't know how to begin it. I needed to tell you, I'm sorry. And through that process, even though I was no longer his pastor, and it had been several years earlier God transformed that but it wasn't just me having the insight to make things right with him no it came out of an understanding that God is sovereign and had placed these people in my life for me to interact with and when we see individuals from our past not as random people but recognize they've been there and God has desired for them to make a contribution to us. It can change our relationships. But thanksgiving and gratitude can change the relationship we have with ourselves. In fact, most of us don't like to admit it, but we struggle with that. We know we ought to have high self-esteem and we need to love ourselves, but we're not sure how all that unpacks. Maybe it's the writings of the Apostle Paul that helps us with that. You remember in chapter four of Philippians, which is considered one of the great chapters of all the Bible, he's describing his life, and he says, "I know what it needs to be, what it means to be hungry. I've been there." I know what it is to have plenty. I've been there. He's writing this as he's in prison. And he says, I have learned to be content in all of life's circumstances. And then he goes ahead just a few verses later and he makes that statement that we um, frequently will repeat and often misquote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we take that as a motivational statement. But literally, it says, I can do this, or I can do these things. What's he referring to? He's referring to being content. He's not saying, I can, you know, I can defeat every enemy I have, I can overcome everything. He says, I have learned to be content. And that's what he is acknowledging that God still provides, that contentment to work through it. But perhaps the key verse of that is not, I've learned to be content. It's not, I can do this thing. But it may be verse 4 where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It is the idea that when He sees all of life and no No, God has not predetermined everything that's going to happen in his life. But that God is working through the things that, the interchanges and the actions. And God is working in our life to give us confidence. Confidence where we can face whatever is in store and say, I can handle that. It may not be what I want to handle, but I can handle it. Why? I have learned to be content with whatever God is providing. This is Thanksgiving week. I hope that you and your families have wonderful experiences together. But I invite you and encourage you to spend time individually giving thanks to God for the events and the circumstances he has placed in your life. Because knowing that he is with you and walks with you, you can be content in all of life's circumstances. Let us pray. Father, you know us. You know our hearts, and sometimes that's encouraging, and sometimes that's frightening. Because there are times we tell you we are very thankful, and you know that we're just saying the words. There are times that we thank you for people, and we really aren't grateful for them, but we just feel obligated to say that. And then in our own soul, we, we sometimes lack confidence. We're not sure that we can handle what you have given us, and we just know that if it were better circumstances, then we would be able to handle it. But it's as we look to you and your faithfulness, we recognize that we can handle whatever is in store Father, make us grateful, give us a heart of thanksgiving, and Father, we pray that you will begin that work now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work.